All right, well, we are here today in October to talk about a very special word as it applies to our teenagers. And I'm so grateful to have my friend Beth here with me to talk about this because I think it can be kind of tricky, but also really, really cool. So um, my name is Leslie Bolser. I work with Core Essential Values. I'm the creative director and um, we're a curriculum company that works with public schools around the country and gives them resources and curriculum to teach kids how to be awesome people and how to work in the world around them. And um, so we're really great, really excited to have a partnership with Beth because Beth does really similar things in her world. So tell our listeners about yourself, Beth. Yeah, I love words, which is why we are good partners because we both love words and believe that words can be powerful in a lot of different ways. But my name is Dr. Beth Tramam, a licensed psychologist and an associate professor of psychology at Indiana University East, where my area of research and focus is to help parents and teachers with behavior and communication strategies to help kids feel more connected and do the things we need them to do. I spent a lot of time working individually with kids and families in private practice over the last 20 years. And so this word is really... um, This word is really important to a lot of the work that I did with teenagers and their parents. And so I'm really excited to be able to kind of tease this out a little bit. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's talk about it. So the word that we're talking about is individuality, um, which we're sort of defining or applying as discovering who you're meant to be so you can make a difference. So let's just talk about the first part first. Let's just talk about discovering who you're meant to be and how that applies to teenagers and to the parents of teenagers. Yeah, so the focus here is on discovering. <laughs> so remember that our teenagers are going to have no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we're really focusing on helping them to discover that, right? So we're just little by little helping to continue to share with them the things that we know about who they are and making sure that we aren't confusing who they are with the choices that they're making. Mm. Yeah, that's really, really important. Mm. I know. It ain't cute. I mean, (laughs) there are things that happen in the teenage years that just ain't cute. I mean, that's the truth. So I've had so many teenagers in my office who have made bad decisions and feel very, what's the way to say it? I mean, they just know the level of disappointment that uh, their parents have in them. Yeah. Even if they don't show it. I mean, that's the thing about teens is what they're going through. We've all been through, right? We sort of know it on some level, you know, like this teenager disrespect, this teenager misbehavior, this teenager exploration with who I am and who I'm meant to be, you know? So on some level, we know that all of that happens for our teenagers. It's just that when it happens under our roof, we're a little like, uh, no, that ain't going to fly here. <laughs> <laughs> right. So right, right. I think that this, this, this word, as we're applying it as a sort of a journey toward helping them know who they are so they can make a difference is really kind of the first thing I want to just remind parents about. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. Um, my, <clears throat> I have two teenage daughters and one of them is really involved in a community theater here where we live. We did a promotional video last year uh, just about 
you know, why kids are into the theater and why they're into participating in this activity. And one of the young ladies who's a senior in high school now, her interview was really interesting because she said, you know, I'm just trying to figure out who I am. And the coolest thing about being in the theater is I get to pretend I'm a whole bunch of other people and kind of see what sticks. And I thought it was so profound of her at that age to be recognizing that she's really just trying to figure out which parts of me are the ones that I want to sort of accentuate and which parts of me are the ones that I'm kind of embarrassed about and being able to be on stage and be something that was very clearly not her gave her a way to try that out and and see what she thought. And I thought, what a safe way (laughs) for a kid to get to do some really crazy things, right. And see who they were. And I just thought she was really insightful for understanding that as a teenager, that's what they're doing. They're just trying to figure out who they are and the things about them that they, that, other people like that other people recognize in them and that they highlight in them may be the stuff that sticks. What do you think about that? Yeah, everything. Yes. I mean, I think that that's what I was thinking as well is, you know, in the teenage years, we are doing our best to both figure out who we are and how we are unique, but we're also like, I actually don't want to be that unique. Right. Yeah. I don't I don't really want to stand out a whole lot right. because right. Right. people who stand out don't always get get treated well. Right. right? That's a vulnerable place. Yeah. That's a vulnerable place. And yeah. so, you know, the thing I was thinking as you were sharing that is our teenagers especially have now accrued a, a fair amount of messages about who they are. Yeah. Whether that's from us. It's from their teachers, it's from their friends, it's from messages they've gotten from social media that have told them this is what you're supposed to be. So this, this age group is really our opportunity to find out from them, who are you and where are you getting these messages from, right? And you wouldn't ask it that way. I just realized as I said that out loud, it was like, who are you? <laughs> where are you getting these messages from? Right. And where are you getting these messages? But, but frankly, maybe even a, um, a, a kind of both of us work through this exercise together where I share some vulnerable things about who I believe I am and where I got those messages, both good and bad. But then also as parents being able to speak some truth over some lies that our kids are hearing. This is who I am. Oh gosh, you know, I must be a failure because, you know, I got a C on my chemistry test and I studied really hard. And my teacher told me that all the, all the time, my teacher has been telling me that I'm, I'm really smart, but then wrote very poor effort on the top of my paper. And so now they think I'm a failure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this just points back to your whole emphasis of the words that we use, right? So when we're describing kids, if we give them, um, I don't know how, I don't know the correct wording for this, but end goals like smart or words that are sort of closed like that, then we create in them maybe some of this doubt where it's the whole growth mindset thing, right? When you use words about things that they're able to do or ways that you see them changing or ways that you see them adapting or working hard, it, it does tend to develop that in them that they can, um, they can do things a little bit differently or, or that once they align themselves with one particular word and then something happens to pull them out of that word, it doesn't make that word about them incorrect. It just maybe is an anomaly or something that they can, they can work toward. Yeah. But in the teenager world, it's hard to see that. I think that's what you're saying, right? It's like, if I've told my kid over and over and over that they're smart 
it doesn't mean it's bad to do that. I'm not telling parents like, don't ever, you know, say something nice about your kid, especially in a positive (laughs) way. But, you know, the way that the teenage mind works is, okay, so I, I have all of this evidence because someone keeps telling me that I'm smart. And generally speaking, I get A's, which, which falls in line with I am smart, right? Yeah. yeah. Until I get to something that's hard for me, and then I get a C. And now that evidence doesn't match with all of the other, other evidence. And rather than, rather than just getting rid of that evidence... I hold on to that evidence and think maybe everything else wasn't true. Yeah, everybody's lying to me. Exactly. So that's how the that's how particularly the emotional teenage brain works, right? That's when we start to see withdrawal. Maybe we're going to see some some symptoms of anxiety. We might see some symptoms of depression. And that might seem like, "Whoa, Beth, you're kind of going off the wall here." But but it can be small things like that that our teenagers' brains are working in so many different ways that it, it may be something that we think is as simple as getting a C, but it means more than just the C. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that makes, that makes total sense. So the other thing that came into my mind as you were talking about that is a couple of things. One, as a parent, you start to sort of think that at a certain point, your kids are cooked, right? Like you've Mm. done the work and they're pretty much it's autopilot from here on out. They're so close to the end kind of thing. But as I, as I've listened to us have conversations about preschool through high school and this word, it feels to me like the older they get, it's almost more important to continually be giving them the messaging that we want them to hear about who they are and about who they're becoming. Um, Because maybe it's a, it takes a little longer to sink in or, or it takes more times perhaps for it to sink into them as they are, uh, as they're getting older than it did when they were little, they're not quite so quick to accept that they are, <laughs> that they're as great as we want to tell them that they are. Yeah, and you got to remember that they're getting all sorts of contradictory messages. Yeah. Right. And they're comparing themselves to all of these other things on social media. I mean, influencers and, you know, peers and people who are older than them. And they're comparing their situation without maybe even realizing it you know? And so you're just one voice amidst all of the other voices. And if you're like most parents, you actually aren't necessarily the person who's with your kid and like physically. And in terms of time, they actually spend more time outside of our influence than under our influence. And so we have to be really aware that we need to be constantly checking in with them about the messages they're getting in every other way of their lives that we may need to be correcting. Yeah, that's huge. And then the second part of this, you know, we've talked a lot about discovering who you're meant to be, but the second part is to make a difference. And kids, especially right now in their middle and high school years, are totally overwhelmed with messaging about career choices, college choices, all of those things. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a big emphasis in schools right now to make sure that kids are ready for those things, that they're coming out of 12th grade prepared for those things. So they start talking to them very, very young in schools about that. Um, and how can we help our kids understand that those choices are also based in who they are? And not necessarily, sometimes in skills that they have that would make them good in a particular field of study, but also just about who, who they are and the, the kinds of things that they hope for themselves um, might be just as important to talk about when talking about those things. Yeah, I, I think one of the best questions we can ask someone, particularly this month with this word, is what does making a difference look like? Mm, yeah. Because I think for some of our teens, Ooh, man, I don't even want to say this out loud. 
I think for some of our teens, it's going to be the number of followers I have, Uh, the number of likes I have. That's making a difference. Right. And y'all, that's not, that's not the only way to make a difference. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's just such a skewed version of what, what is happening in the world right now. (laughs) You know, it's like our teenagers are just living in a much different world than we lived in. And so they may need some real training on what making a difference looks like. You know, let's talk about what making a big difference might look like. And that might mean helping someone at the grocery store carry their groceries to the car. And, you know, they made it home in time to, you know, catch dinner with their loved one before they died. I don't, I mean, I don't know that it could be something that seems that small that makes a huge difference in the life of someone else. It doesn't have to be starting a movement, although that would be great too. I think we're, our our teens are getting, they're getting lots of messages about what making a difference looks like. And I think it's our job to, to help clarify for our family, for our values, what that means. And I'm not saying there's right or wrong here. Don't hear me say like, this is the only way to make a difference. I think all of us know, and we can hear from our teenagers and correct any misconceptions about what that means as we're trying to help them make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. What if making a difference is a a kind conversation with your sibling who's struggling and the difference that you're making is letting them know that they have somebody that they can talk to right there. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's making a difference, right? That's not a global movement of any kind, but that's, that's a a big difference for that one person who's sitting right in front of you. Yes. Yeah. And our kids might not think about that as making a difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unless we tell them. That's right. It's not public. It gets no likes and um, there's no glory. There's no glory in being nice to your brother or sister. There's no (laughs) glory in being nice to your brother. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so one more thing before we go, Beth. I think um, you know, and this may be just this may be just me. Maybe no one else has ever had this experience, but I do think that as a parent of a teenager, it can be more difficult to separate oneself from mm. the, the actions, behaviors, decisions, and becoming of a teenager. Right? Mm. Um, when your preschooler throws a fit. Um, parents understand that that happens and maybe it's nap time, maybe it's dinner time and they're just having a fit. Right. But when your teenager, when your 17 year old does something, it, it feels like as a parent, maybe there are other people judging you a little more harshly. Um, so I don't know, maybe it can be harder for parents to separate themselves from their kids becoming who they are. Do you have any, any words of wisdom for that before we close? Yeah, it, it can be really tough. I mean, as a parent, you know, we want our kids to be unique and special and we want for them to stand out and be who they are until who they are steps outside of the norm so much that other people start to notice that they are different. And that can feel really hard. And we can be tempted to want to be like, okay, okay, okay. Come, come on back to the box of what's normal. And let's just stay right here in the box, even though, (laughs) you know, who you are may not necessarily fit in that box. Well, um, yeah. And I think exactly what you're saying, the older they get, you know, the more established we feel like our parenting is working (laughs) until, until we get this idea that it's not because they make an error the truth is our teenagers are going to make mistakes. 
they're going to make mistakes. And we have to hope that we have planted enough seeds that those mistakes are not life altering. Yeah. Like forever life altering. Um, but they're going to keep making mistakes. And even if they make mistakes that seem really big, they're still trying to figure out who they are. And it is, um, it may be a reflection of who you have raised them to be, but in that moment, it's not about you. And that's a hard pill to swallow. You know, even for me, that's a hard pill to swallow. And my kids are not, you know, that old 13 and 12, and they're still, um, you know, they're still trying to figure out how they fit into the world. So I think the thing to remember is that most things that feel really big right now and the grand scheme of the world are just a blip on the map, you know? So I know that those are hard things to remember in that moment. And so maybe you form sort of a a support group with other teen moms. Maybe you become kind of friends with some of your, your kids' friends so that you have a social network that you can trust and, and call upon when you're like, oh my gosh, my kid did this thing. And, you know, Brene Brown, her advice (laughs) is like, you know, the story I tell myself is the whole world is looking at me. The whole world is thinking I'm a bad mom. And it's making me so anxious and I'm really tore up about it. And I need somebody just to tell me it's going to be okay. Yeah. Other teen parents can sort of feel your pain there and they may be good resources to just sort of, yeah, have in those moments. Yeah, that's great. As you're saying that, I'm thinking of some of the moms that I know and some of the stories we've told each other about things that our kids have done, reasons we've gotten calls from the school or (laughs) things that they've done. And it does make you feel, um, you know, better about yourself in that every kid uh, has their moments and every parent, um, even the ones that you really admire and respect have, have had that moment where they're, they have trouble separating themselves from their kids as well. So, so I really, um, I really think that's great advice. So as we close today, um, I think some really good takeaways have come out of this conversation. Um, And one of them is just to understand as parents that we are not our kids. Mm -hmm. um, And that I think, I don't know the research, Beth, you probably know better, but the adolescent brain doesn't stop developing until mid-20s, right? Yeah. Um, So the other thing to really take away from this is that no matter how old our kids are, they're not yet cooked. They're not yet done. We still have time to speak into them, um, the strengths and the qualities we see in them that we think could be important for their future. And so we should never stop doing that, uh, even into their adulthood, because I think it can still make a difference. Absolutely. I mean, even grown up, like I have grown up clients who are still like desiring the approval of their grown parents. You know, I mean, I think we just never stop needing that reassurance from, from parents or caregivers or people that matter to us. Yeah, that's important. That's really great. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for this conversation. If people want to know more about Core Essentials, um, you guys, y'all can go to coreessentials.org and check us out or find us on social media as well. Um, We love to have feedback and to connect with folks. So feel free to reach out to us. Info at coreessentials.org is the best email to to check in with us. And Beth, how, how might people find you? So my website is makewordsmatterforgood.com and I'm mostly on Facebook, MWM with kids. That's awesome. Well, great. Hey, um, I appreciated this conversation. I think lots of parents did too. And then next month we'll be back with a new word and a new topic of conversation. I look forward to it. It's going to be great. 